My name is Paul. I'm going to uh, bring us today our uh, Bible passage from Ecclesiastes. It's found on page 586. So Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through to 11. So page 586. Everything is futile. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labours at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting, it returns to the place where it rises. Gusting to the north, turning to the south, turning, turning goes the wind and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea. Yet the sea is never full, to the place where the streams flow, where they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new? It has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after, there will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. Hi everyone, my name's Tim, I'm one of the ministers here. I'll be helping us think today about fulfilment and finding meaningful fulfilment. And we'll continue working in a series thinking about the good news that God offers in a range of different areas over the next four weeks. I'm going to pray for us now, then we'll jump in. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Lord, may what I say and what we hear be glorifying to you, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, longing for a a sense of fulfillment, that kind of thing that uh, fills you up and gives you a sense of completion, uh, is something that we all experience. Uh, I'm enjoying at the moment that as a father of four kids, uh, my kids, everything is about fulfillment for them. It's wonderful when they approach you and they say, I will feel complete if you only just give me a hug. And I'm happy to give them a hug. I'll take the hugs while I can get them. Uh, But 30 seconds later, they'll say, actually, I'll really feel fulfilled if you could give me a chocolate chip cookie. And you realize I'm not as important as I thought I was. Our fulfillment is something that we crave and we look for at different stages of our lives. I turned 47 late last year. I've been told that is the average age now for the midlife crisis. And as I was reading some research on it, I found out there are three big things. Well, actually, there are 10 big things that a man going through it is likely to do. Three of the top ones. Number one, buy a new car. I drive a Kia Carnival. I'm not getting a new car. Uh, Number two, get a gym membership. You can tell I haven't done that. Uh, And number three uh, was hair implants. Uh, So (laughs) if you start to see it from here moving up to there, you're going to know that I've given in to that one. The desire fulfillment starts when life starts. It's that thing that drives us in the middle of our lives as well. And it's something that we see at the end of our life also. Our eulogies have become such a popular thing at funerals. They didn't used to have them. But for so many of us, we want to feel like that person has been fulfilled, like they have done enough, uh, that they were enough, so that we can let go of them uh, when we lose them. And to be clear, uh, fulfillment isn't a bad thing. It is good for us to want to feel like we have been completed in some way, that we are fulfilled. The desire itself is reasonable and good. Uh, But fulfillment is also frustrating 
uh, because we know so often that the things that we enjoy, we only enjoy for a period of time and then they're finished. Now, this realization isn't a new idea. In fact, uh, well, more than uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, we have the Solomon, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, uh, opening his book with this very consideration. Uh, verse 2 of our uh, passage we just had read. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything's futile. What does a person gain from all of his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation comes, a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting it hurries back to the place where it rises. The teacher understands that tension that we all feel at different times in our lives, that we can pour all of our efforts out into these things that are going to make us feel uh, more complete in ourselves. But the reality is we can't take it with us and it doesn't always last. Verse 8, all things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye isn't satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be and what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. There are plenty of things that can make us feel good for a moment. The challenge is to find a sense of fulfillment that is deep and powerful and lasting. Sometimes that challenge is there because we know that the goalposts keep on shifting. Uh, It was early in the 2000s. I remember I was driving to my little brother's house and I was stoked because he lived over an hour away, but I just bought a mini disc player. Do you remember them? You could fit four whole CDs worth of music into one tiny little disc. That meant I could drive for over an hour and I never had to stop and change my mini disc. I felt like I was a king among mortals until I got to my brother's house and he showed me the new iPod that he had just bought. This little machine had the entirety of his music jammed into one tiny white oblong. In an instant, I moved from contentment to disillusionment. Of course, 20 years later, these goalposts have moved again. Once upon a time, it was enough to have a a mini disc player. Then it went from iPods to uh, iPhones. And of course, then it went from iPhones to having Spotify. Uh, From the latest count on Spotify, if you started listening to the first song, it would take over 300 years non-stop to finish the current Spotify uh, song list in total. And yet in search for fulfillment, uh, to have enough, uh, we can never get there. Ironically, my little brother who started with the iPod now sends me pictures of the records he buys as he sticks them on his old record player. (laughs) How he's really embraced Ecclesiastes, that there is nothing new under the sun. Sometimes it's the goalpost shifting, and sometimes it's just the reality that new things become old things. The new bike or phone or gaming system or sewing machine or car or house, whatever we can collect will eventually become a thing that we're comfortable with and may become a thing that we one day resent, or even worse, it just sits somewhere in our garage. We focus, we work, maybe we achieve things. But even when we achieve, the sun rises next day, the world keeps on turning, and one day everything that we have worked toward will be forgotten. If all we have in this world is what is right in front of us, then the greatest fulfillment we can have is to be happy in this moment, knowing that tomorrow it may be gone. In the New Testament, the the Apostle Paul wrestles with this in 1 Corinthians 15. Having spoken about the great suffering that he's gone through for the gospel, uh, he concludes, if the dead are not raised, 
then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If we can't find fulfillment in a meaningful and a a long-lasting way, if there's no ultimate fulfillment, if this is all that there is, then the best that we can do is really embrace that modern phrase, well, not modern anymore, YOLO, we only live once, let's go and get it while we can. Uh, But that's actually not the answer that Paul uh, lands on. Paul wants his readers to land in 1 Corinthians on the reality that real fulfillment doesn't actually come from inside. It doesn't come from what I can collect by myself when I achieve that thing that I want to do, but actually by looking to an external frame of reference. Real fulfillment is not becoming the best me that I can be, but when we seek the life and purposes that the God who made me has for me. Real fulfillment is seeking to be the me that the God who made me has made me to be. Uh, When I uh, was a young kid, uh, we had the best kind of boat, and that was our friend's boat. We didn't have to look after it. We just got to ride it. Uh, It was a game fishing boat, and that meant that sometimes we could go out on a bay and we could just kind of sunbake or something. Uh, But other times we would head out beyond the headlands. Uh, And I can tell you uh, right now why I love orange so much. And that is because my stomach is not exactly what you'd call seaworthy. And so we'd head out beyond the headlands and it always starts great. You're up on the front of the boat with the other kids swinging up and down and the salt spray is hitting you. And then 20 minutes later, I'm lying in the back of the boat just trying to say to yourself, keep the Cocoa Pops where they are. They need to stay down. Then after uh, 20 minutes after that, I'd hit the point where I'd say, I'm going to go below deck. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lie down on one of those waterproof cushions and just try and tell myself that this world doesn't exist. Eventually, my mum would have to come down to me because she knew this was a bad idea. Are you just going to be sick downstairs if you do that, Tim? Instead, she'd tell me to come up and either look at the horizon or if we were close enough that I could look back at the fixed point of the land and if I kept my, my eyes on that fixed point, uh, then all of the ups and downs of the waves would have a point of reference and I might feel a little bit better. When everything else is constantly changing and it's a struggle to find something that isn't moving, isn't shifting us, then the answer is not to curl in on myself but to find the, the constant, the fixed point that helps us. Do you remember what Ecclesiastes says? Verse 2, what does a person gain for all of his efforts that he labours at under the sun? Generation comes, a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting it, hurries back to the place where it rises. If we can't find fulfilment under the sun, then the fixed point that we should turn our eyes to is the one who made the sun, the God who sent his son, the God under whose providential care the world continues to turn, the sun continues to rise and set, and we continue to exist. As we struggle to find a sense of fulfillment that really lasts, that actually does deliver in a meaningful and consistent way, the answer is not to focus on my little schemes, to head below deck and say, if I just curl up in a ball, I can say that my world is all okay. We need to look at that fixed point, the bigger picture, This is what David in the Old Testament in Psalm 8 recognizes when he writes this. When I observe your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set into place. What is man that you, the human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. 
You made him ruler over the works of your hands. The God who made everything is a fixed point that we should direct our eyes to. And as David does, he understands himself more fully as well, that God has uh, glorified him in ways that he doesn't understand. When we understand God is the beginning and end of all things and that he has made us, it's easier to find a sense of perspective in the world that he puts us. To find real fulfillment is to find our place in God's universal plan. But what does that actually mean, that God offers us real fulfillment? We can land here and the danger of a sermon like this is it just sounds like one of those fluffy things that we hear. Our real fulfillment comes from God, but we are left with that question, what does that actually mean? How do I practically apply that in my life? It's one thing to say, it's another thing to know deeply and to actually see how it works out in my day-to-day. And so what I wanted to do next is explore three different ways that we find meaningfulness in this. Firstly, that Jesus not only offers us real fulfillment, but Jesus is the one who achieves real fulfillment for us. It's not actually about me having to do more or be more, but to put my trust in him. Uh, Secondly, that through Jesus we're offered ultimate fulfillment, not just uh, making sense in this world, but actually having hope uh, beyond this world as well. And then finally, that the work of Jesus and the reality of our future brings new meaning and new value to our present as well. Uh, One of the uh, many gifts that we get from the internet uh, over the last many years has been uh, the joy of misheard lyrics memes on the internet. You know, we all know the story, you know, maybe it's the the song that the kids are singing as they walk down the hall and you hear it and you realise they have no idea what the words actually are. Uh, I was Googling them a couple of weeks ago, I really enjoyed a couple. The most famous one is Elton John. Uh, He sings, Hold Me Close, Tiny Dancer. Uh, But what a lot of people heard was, hold me closer, Tony Danza. (laughs) Uh, Does Jimi Hendrix sing, excuse me, is he having an existential moment, excuse me while I kiss the sky, or is he saying, excuse me while I kiss this guy? Of course, we know that uh, things like misheard lyrics are kind of fun because there's there's not a lot we lose if we actually get a song wrong. Uh, It's just fun, we can have a laugh, we can make fun of our kids, people can make fun of me and it's all good. But it is a different matter when we misunderstand the song that has been sung about something more important, about something deeply important. And I suspect that for the Christian church there's been a song that we've been singing maybe for 2,000 years that often people hear uh, and they hear the wrong thing. Somehow the lyric that the church often gets caught singing is, uh, if only you do enough, if only you are enough, if only you are nice enough or funny enough or friendly enough or good enough or you have enough collared shirts, then you can be enough and then you can be part of God's family. If I pray enough times, if I do enough things, I can be enough on my own. And if uh, you want to be somebody who fits into the church, then you have to be like me. The church ends up then with the reputation of being a a nice place full of nice people with starch collars and stained glass windows and that the the common mark they're not welcome in. And it's ironic because the real lyric that we hear in the Bible is a very different one. The real lyric is clear throughout the Bible that you can't be enough. In fact, if you try and be enough by yourself, we we just end up looking like hypocrites. You can't do enough to fulfill your destiny with God. And we feel that frustration, that lack of fulfillment, because uh, we don't have enough. 
But Jesus is the one who has come to do it for us. This is what Jesus himself says in Matthew 5.17. I don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus in his life and his ministry fulfills the law in a way that we all know we fail to do. I don't live up to my own standards, let alone the other standards or the cultural standards or even God's standards. He lives the life we ought to live, achieving the end of the law, which is a right relationship with God. But then Jesus goes further by dying on the cross, taking the penalty for our failure on himself. And then Jesus defeats death, wiping out the price of sin. So that in Christ's death and resurrection, we have the offer of a new start and a new hope and a right and fulfilling relationship with the God who made us. Listen to the powerful words in Ephesians 2 and see how this is a promise that deals with not only the wrongs of our past, but it shapes our perspective on our future as well. We'll see it up on the screen. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He's also raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The song that the gospel uh, sings is clear, that Jesus came into this world not just to show us how we might live a good life or find more momentary fulfilment, but Jesus came to live the life that God made us to live and to deal with the problem of our failure to do so, that in rising again he offers us an eternal relationship with our God. Now, just to be perfectly clear, the promise of what Jesus gives us is not that when we become a Christian, if you become a follower of Jesus, then all of your desires are going to be fulfilled. You know, follow Jesus, you get a better car, and even better, you only ever get green lights. Wouldn't that be great? Follow Jesus and you'll get a bigger house and a smaller mortgage. Now, we know that living in an imperfect world, these things are always going to be a struggle and that to be a Christian is not to be a person without troubles in life. But if we're looking for real fulfillment, Ephesians tells us that we can enjoy the immeasurable riches of God's grace to us in the coming ages. That when we look back at our lives, we'll realize that we're not defined by the good, the bad, or the ugly in our life that I might have other things that I seek fulfillment in, but that when they don't deliver, we know that God will continue to deliver and God promises that he will deliver an eternal way. If we put our trust in Jesus, then we have a sure and a certain hope of eternal future. Jesus earned the deep relationship that we couldn't through his death and resurrection. In doing so, he offers us the immeasurable riches of God's grace for us to enjoy in the coming age. The heavenly reality should be something that gives us a new hope no matter what your current circumstances are because you have this eternal hope in the future. But hopefully this hope is not just something that is a a future hope. You know, they talk about the pie in the sky when you die. But it's also something that shapes our experience of the present as well. Uh, Brian Johnson is a tech billionaire who's been gaining notoriety on the internet uh, recently 
uh, because he has a desire to wind back the aging process and he wants to be really the first man to live forever. A Bloomberg report noted that he spends over $2 million every year on these efforts. The amount of differing supplements he takes means that he's now up to taking 100 pills a day. That's him in the middle. He attaches monitors when he sleeps to report how individual organs are working at night because he wants to wind back the inside as much as the outside. But I think the creepiest thing that he he does is the the one on the right is his 17-year-old son and he's been taking plasma from his son and injecting it into himself in the hope that his cells will get younger when he does it. Every aspect of Brian's life is focused around prolonging his life. $2 million a year. But the reality is he's just delaying the inevitable. Whether or not he spends $2 million a year or $200 million, time will catch up with Brian and every one of us in one way or another. Uh, to add an ironic twist, uh, Brian reported that his regime is so strict he has to go to bed at certain times and eats uh, certain amounts of pills that it's made it almost impossible for him to have a relationship uh, with a woman. He says when he meets somebody he likes, he gives them uh, four pages, sort of uh, double-sided and says, this is the schedule I have to keep. If you can't fit into that, you can't fit into my life. And so far he hasn't been able to find somebody who says, that sounds great to me. In the desire to fulfill that dream of immortality, uh, this man has robbed himself of the most basic things that give our lives meaning and value in the here and now. He wants to live forever, but he can't even really live in a meaningful way now. Uh, By way of comparison, let's cast our eyes for a second on the Apostle Paul. Uh, He was writing to a a church called the church in uh, Philippi, the Philippian church. He's under house arrest. But rather than feel like this is hindering his ministry, he doesn't, he's essentially stuck in a home jail. He boasts in chapter 1 of Philippians that it's provided him with this great opportunity to witness to the whole Roman imperial guard who are keeping an eye on him. As he approaches the end of his letter, Paul's appreciative of the support that he's been gotten, but he, uh, he also has this to say. Uh, don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little. I know how to do, make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, real fulfillment. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's confidence is in the God who has assured him of his eternal future. And this means that his present context, he sees in a different light, whether he's well-fed or hungry, whether he has a lot or he's in need, he's able to honour God because it's God who strengthens him. And now that last verse, if you were in the Rugby World Cup right now, this is what New Zealanders might be saying to themselves, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But when we see Paul's context, we understand it in a very different way. It's not that, again, it's a promise of life being successful and easy and he can achieve absolutely anything. But rather, uh, he may be in jail. He may be, as we'll find out, that he's waiting his eventual execution. But everything he does in life has a different meaning and perspective because he shapes everything around his heavenly perspective. Paul has set his eyes on the fixed point which is the God who made him and loves him and who has promised him that no matter what happens in this world, he has a heavenly future. His saviour Jesus 
And even though his life was pretty wavy, even though everything else was bobbing up and down in his life, he knew that when he put his trust in God, it was plain sailing to that final and greatest point. Where do you hope to find lasting fulfilment? We could have asked that question of uh, Athol earlier, couldn't we? He can't answer quite yet, but because uh, the reality is there's, there's a, a thousand, maybe a million more Subway sandwiches that are coming his way. I can't wait till I introduce him to KFC and he realises <laughs> Subway just doesn't cut it, friend. But whether or not it's a sandwich or fried chicken or a thousand other foods, whether it's the newest phone or the bike or the car, It doesn't matter if he has the right house or even if he has saved enough super that he can retire at 33. The teacher of Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is nothing new under the sun. But there is one who made the sun. There is one who sent his son to offer us forgiveness and real fulfillment. Life does kind of wave us up and down a fair bit. But the God of the universe offers us a fixed point that we can cast our eyes to so that no matter how shaky and wavy everything else feels, we know that when we put our trust in him, there is one thing that we are sure of. And when we know that one sure thing, it can help us make greater sense of every, every other thing in our lives. Uh, that the God who made us is a God who loves us and the God who loves us wants to show us how we can thrive in his world. And as we do so, we even have the opportunity to share this good news with others. Let's thank him for that now. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Uh, Lord, we do uh, recognize uh, that we live in a world that is looking for fulfillment in so many different ways. But so many different ways that last only for a moment. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would help us cast our eyes on that fixed point. We thank you that uh, in Jesus that you have earned for us real fulfillment, not through what we can do, but what he has done. So we pray, Lord, that in casting our eyes to him, we might put our hope in him, in that putting our hope in him, that we might have the sure and certain hope of eternity with you. And that in trusting in this, Lord, that you might help us make greater sense and meaning and find deeper fulfillment in what you have given us today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.